Hey, it's Zach. It's the Best Advice Show. If you've listened before, you know that typically my episodes are like five or ten minutes long. If you look at your podcast player now, you see that this one is much longer. That's because after the advice segment, I'm going to play an episode from my guest's podcast. My guest is Sequoia Holmes, and she hosts the podcast Black People Love Paramore. Black People Love Paramore is a very funny podcast about the seemingly random underrepresented interests of different niches of black people like um well paramore anime astrology tony hawk hibachi rom-coms degrassi there's an episode from last year that sequoia did called black people love self-care featuring candy washington this being mental health awareness month both sequoia's advice which you'll hear in a second and then candy's bushel of advice about self-care i think will serve you well so first here is sequoia holmes with her advice Oftentimes, we don't quite understand that rejection is protection. Ooh. And that's something that I've had to learn the hard way. It's had to be drilled into me, nailed into my skull the hard way. And now I feel like I, I get it and things are starting to align a little bit better because I'm not forcing things. I'm allowing mm. the rejection to sit and believe that it is for a reason. Mm. Yes, I can get more specific if you would I would, like lo- I would love that. It yes. sounds like you're, you're making some, bri- some big strides over there, though. That's it's awesome. It's some big strides. It feels pretty big. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, okay, there's been a few times where I've been rejected from things that I just didn't accept the rejection or felt like I couldn't accept the rejection, and so I forced it. What realm is it? Is it a professional relationship? Okay. So I really want to go to USC for undergrad university of southern california that's a really good school Mm -hmm. i really want to go to usc for undergrad i did not get into usc a lot of my peers got into usc i felt inadequate i felt uncomfortable it was a whole thing yes i went away to college at a state school called university of california santa cruz or ucsc had a good little time and decided i was going to get my master's and i was going to apply to usc Okay. First of all, I did not want a master's degree. I just wanted to go to USC. (laughs) You know, Uh I didn't get my chance. I'm going to go. Uh-huh. I apply to USC. I get in. I go for exactly one semester because I hated USC. I hated it so much. Like everything about it. The only thing that I really liked was the campus. But I felt like the student body population was too large for the size of the campus. The campus was too small. One. Two, I did not want the degree that I was getting. Mm -hmm. Three, I took out the same amount of student loans for one semester at USC Mm -hmm. as I did for all four years at UC Santa Cruz. Damn. That was me learning the hard way. It cost me $20,000 exactly, in fact, to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That sometimes accept that first rejection. Maybe USC just wasn't for me. I wouldn't have liked it. I learned. I didn't like it. So that's rejection number one. Rejection number one. Rejection number two. I really wanted to work for a specific company. I don't really want to say which one, but I really want to work for a specific company. I had been trying for years to get in at this company, watching job boards, that type of thing, lightly applying, kind of being rejected. Didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I saw a job posting came come up that was so perfect for me and i was like oh my god it's divine timing this is exactly what i've been waiting for okay so i start my application process i get into the rounds of interviews a lot of the times at these bigger companies they send you through like 
four or five interview rounds with different people. You have to do a homework assignment, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm doing all of that. I get through to the last interview round. Come to find out one of my best friends is the other candidate. Oh, my God. So the two of us are both going for the same job, this one job. Oh, my God. And then I get the rejection. I'm devastated because I have spent hours at this point doing a homework assignment, interviewing with these people. I am literally devastated. This is my dream company for the last three or four years of my life at this point. Quote unquote dream company. Later learned that that is not a real thing. (laughs) I'm having just a very hard time with it. I let it go, though. Kind of. Always looking for opportunities, still trying to kind of get in the door. Okay. Eventually, the opportunity presents itself. As I've mentioned to you, I'm freelance. I was given a freelance opportunity with said company. It was truly the most traumatizing experience of my life. Oh, my God. One, the person who was managing me was just despicable, egregious, like literally treated me like scum on the bottom of the shoe. It was horrible. I've never been treated as badly as I was treated at this company by this person. It was to the point that People would see the way that she was speaking to me in the public chat rooms and they would kind of message me separately and be like, are you okay? And like, oh, I'm sorry that she's doing that. Like, that doesn't look okay. And then one of the girls who used to be in my role before I came into the position, she had moved on to a different role. She reached out to me and she was like, yeah, I actually had to leave the position because I was having health issues dealing with this particular person. She said her entire body has started breaking out in hives. Every time she got a Slack message, her heart would race and she would just like hyperventilate. She was a horrible, horrible human being. Come to find out she was a Nepo baby, which is why she felt comfortable speaking to people like that and why she could not be fired, even though everybody had an issue with her. Is it Sharon Amazon, the daughter of the owner of Amazon? (laughs) It's not. It is not. But that's a good guess. That is a good guess. (laughs) Okay. But she was she was just horrible eventually i couldn't take it i snapped back at her publicly in the chat room and then i quit (laughs) because it wasn't worth my mental health and my mental sanity oh i forgot to mention i was also getting stomach ulcers at this time from dealing with her Mm -hmm. i went to the doctor and like i'm having just this severe burn all through the night in my stomach and they're like are you really stressed and i'm like yes i'm i'm dealing with a very stressful situation they're like Uh yeah they did a whole little ultrasound situation. They're like, yeah, we think you might be developing, you know, small tear in your in your lining of your stomach, all from dealing with this one person. Nothing's worth your mental health. I had already been rejected in both of these instances that I'm telling you I should have just left it at that. But no, I needed to learn the hard way. And so I did. Okay, so you went through USC mm-hmm. for one semester. You had this job for how long? Uh, maybe three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, the fact that you didn't keep going at USC and get in the hole like a hundred, you know, whatever, Over it grand. Been so much. Yes, it would have been close to a hundred grand. Yeah. So you stepped away from both of those things, both of which you thought you really wanted originally, but learned pretty quickly that it just wasn't right. That I was rejected for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for me. And so how do you now discern like, this is something that I want and this is something that I don't know, maybe I don't need to go after this. I just take aligned action and let everything else go. So I do what I think that I want. Like currently, I 
really want my podcast to be a bigger thing. Hell yeah. So I just keep making it, improving my podcasting skills by going on other folks' podcasts, like Hi. yours, and you know, just stuff like that. Controlling what is very within my control and right. letting the rest of it go. I can't make people accept me. I can't make companies accept me. I can't make schools accept me, but yeah. I can, you know, study better or improve my skill set. So, so maybe the next company will accept me that mm -hmm. where I'm supposed to be, you know, something of the sort. Yeah. Yeah. What's an example of something now where you saw it and you were like, Ooh, do I want this? And then you realize, no, 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 actually I don't. You know what? This is such a good question. There's a lot of people in my life who are in the, um, the television movie, Hollywood industry uh -huh. in general, when you live in LA, like I do, it's kind of, easy to get sucked into that right and to conflate other people's desires with your own desires mm. so i have a lot of friends who are television writers and it seems very glamorous and high profile and that type of thing and i'm like i want that and then i sit back and i'm like you've literally never wanted that a, a, a day in your life what are you talking about you don't you quite literally don't want that yeah. <laughs> and so recalibrate, realign with my own desires, determine what is my own desire versus an external desire that I'm yeah. just seeing look glossy and go from there. So an internal versus an external desire. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, not worrying so much about what looks great Yep. and what determining more so what feels great. Ooh, yeah. That's cool. I like that. What feels great instead mm -hmm. of what looks great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> um, your podcast it's something that like I feel like we're similar alright we don't have to include this but maybe we should <laughs> you're welcome to I don't I never mind my show when um, like when the episodes are episodes I'm proud of it's my favorite show yes yes and absolutely it's like, I'm like kind of like there's like some shame in saying that some you know like who the fuck says that but like I don't know. Do you feel the same way? 100%. I made my podcast for me and for people like me, you know, because mm -hmm. I know that I am not that original. I'm not that different, you know? So <laughs> on the episodes that I really like where I'm really into it, they tend to perform better. And I feel like I those topics are also topics that other people tend to be more interested in because, again, I made my show for me. And I know that there's other people like me. Yeah. Could we play an episode of your show right after this? Oh, hell yeah. If like you in, want. Yeah. In this, in this episode? Uh-huh. Yeah, what yeah, episode would, do you think my listeners would want to hear? Ooh, I see you're doing Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I have an episode, Black People Love Self-Care. And that episode shocked me so much. I did not know my guest that was coming on the show that episode too much. And so I, I have a little bit of a harder time with episodes like that because I feel like the rapport is not there that type of thing she was so fucking good sorry i don't know if I cool yeah please your podcast yes who is it she was so good her name is candy washington okay she had such great insights people took so much away from that episode i took so much away from that episode you can hear the shock in my voice as the episode's going i'm like wait what this is yeah. wild what's happening so yes definitely great. take a listen to that one okay great and so if you're um you're talking to my listener now and they want to start figuring out their internal desire rather than their external desire, what feels good instead of what looks good, not forcing things. How can we start doing that right now? Think about your childhood self 
things that you've always been drawn to, things that you've always been good at. Mm. I've always been kind of a writer, communicator type person. Mm -hmm. So podcasting has come naturally to me the entirety of the time that I've been doing it. Same thing with writing. All of it is very natural. What feels natural likely? We like to do things we're good at. And we're all born with a set of things that we're good at. Develop that skill, have fun with it, continue forward. Hell yeah, I love this. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to tell me? Um, I think that's about it, but I listened to a few episodes of your show and I really enjoy it. Oh, thank I like the brevity of it. It's like you're you're very good at facilitating the conversation. It feels natural. So Thanks, yeah. Sequoia. Yeah, please continue. Um I definitely will. Of and course. and Got you're it. gonna do the same because something inside of us is saying keep making the show. It's who we are. Hmm. You helped me today, thank you. Oh my gosh, of course. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. This was very good. This is a good one. All right, have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye, Zach. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you haven't heard the rest of May's episodes and you like this one, you should go back and check them out. They're all inspired by Mental Health Awareness Month and aim to help you in some small but meaningful way. I hope they do. And if they have been helping you, these episodes, I would love for you to consider becoming a Best Advice Show patron at patreon.com slash best advice show. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash best advice show. Thank you for helping me make this show. Okay, and now without any further ado, here is Black People Love Self-Care featuring Candy Washington. Welcome to Black People Love Paramore, a podcast where we try to make Black people feel seen. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, five stars only, because we are five-star bitches. We're Dio Gotti. I am your host, Sequoia. And joining me to talk about self-care today, we have a very special guest. She does literally everything, podcast, YouTube channel, book, y'all, book. Her name is Candy Washington. Candy, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. First off, I am very grateful and honored to be here. And yes, I have a self-care podcast called Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, how to have healthy romantic relationships, which to me is the foundation is like that self-care, self-love component. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, literally wherever you listen to a podcast, you can find it. You can also grab my book, which is called The Journey to Self-Love Journal. That is available on Barnes and Nobles, on Amazon, all those cool places. And that is a very interactive, easy to follow, no jargon, no fluff, the breakdown of it, of how you can go from self-doubt, not feeling good enough to knowing that you are the badass operant power of your life. And then I also have my YouTube channel, which is where I also share similar content, the self-care relationships, but I also do a little bit of pop culture in there as well. And if you're interested in watching a fun, well, it's kind of a dark movie called Narcissist. I executive produced it, wrote it and started it. And you can watch that on Amazon Prime Video and SoFi TV and follow me over on Instagram at Candy Washington for just fun, quirky stuff.
She just talk about like a renaissance person, like someone who just does everything. <laughs> Absolutely, Candy Washington. Y'all, I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Very excited to have this conversation. We're going to talk about self-care a little bit. It's something that I really like. I don't know if my podcast listeners know this, but y'all, I'm a self-care girl. I read the books. I watch the YouTube channels. I do all of the things in the self-care realm. Um, so I'm excited to get into this. Before we get into the main topic, let's do our first segment, In My Defense. So In My Defense is our segment where we bring one controversial or unpopular opinion to defend for you all. I have one. Candy, did you bring one? I did bring one. Okay. Okay. You want me to go first or you want to go first? You go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. My In My Defense this week is probably not going to ruffle too many feathers. Sometimes I'll be saying stuff. And the girls be like, Sequoia, please keep that to yourself next time. Previous in my defenses have been stovetop mac and cheese just does something a little bit more for my heart than the oven baked kind, you know, stuff like that. They're like, please don't don't tell us stuff like that anymore. We don't want it. So this time I'm not going to ruffle feathers as much. I just feel like the only good part of summer is until the 4th of July. After that, I'm not interested in the rest of summer. I don't want anything to do with her. Between Memorial Day and 4th of July is summer. Literally only two weeks of that is actually summer. But between Memorial Day and 4th of July is summer. And after that is just this hot season that I'm waiting and begging for fall to come and save me from. That's it. Also, we're not, I'm not super pro-American over here, y'all. So please don't take 4th of July like like the thing. I actually don't, I don't like it. But you know, a day off, you get to have fun, be in the beach, all that fun stuff. So what is the rest of the season? Please keep it. That's all I got. <laughs> well, I have to agree with you. I mean, I'm based in LA. So right now it is, I'm literally melting at all times. Yes. So it's been straight summer since like two weeks ago. It's been a lot, but I agree with you. After 4th of July, it's kind of like, and what are we waiting for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why this summer I plan to just like check out. I want to like go somewhere and just like book a place and just pretend like I'm the only person in the world. Hell yeah. Wow. Oh my God. That just sounds so fantastic. My heart just really felt a way about that. Like I need it. <laughs> I need that really bad. I want to escape. I want to write for fun and just do me and pretend like I can pilfer the land for my food, but really I'm ordering it in. Right. <laughs> right. I'm living off the land. I'm, living I'm, off the land. I'm having a fully sustainable experience just alone in the world. We'll pretend. I'm I'm there with and you. And my luxury Airbnb <laughs> with my postmates. Very much that, right? Literally postmating from Fending for myself. One hundred percent. I'm in the wilderness, you guys, just in the wild. No, I'm I'm here with you. Alright, so do you want my controversial thing? Sure do. Yep. Okay, so it's been all over the blogosphere and all in the tabloids, but we all Ooh. know Michael B. Jordan and Lori Ooh. Harvey. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I'm so broken excited. up. Oh my God. <laughs> so Black dramatic. went crazy. Oh. I was kind of like, <laughs> a, I was I was confused on so many levels. Like my first level was Michael B. Jordan and Lori Harvey were the standard of Black love. When did that happen? When did that happen? I'm so confused. And I was also just like, Steve Harvey's butting in, talking about Lori, you know, his, um, he adopted her, but technically she's his uh, stepdaughter and all this other stuff. And I was like, this is a PR stunt. Cause then she's all like, now I have my new 
skin by LH and blah, 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 blah. And it just so happens that Michael B. Jordan is now on set for like the third or the fifth installment of whatever franchise he's in. So I'm just like, I see you. We see each other. All of a sudden, you want to get the buzz for Creed. She has some new skincare influencer socialite line. And now all of a sudden, they they were the standard of Black love. I don't know who gave them that title. The publicist, the work is showing. Like, I'm super confused. (laughs) We see what you're doing. You're showing your work a little bit too much. The work is showing. Like, if there's too Mm. many coincidences, it's like, no, she's young and just wants to live her life. And he's 35 and wants to settle down. And then it was like, no, he left her for his ex. He just really missed her and could never get over her. I did see that. Yeah. And I'm just like, conflicting stories. But none of the stories actually make either one of them an actual bad guy, which is why I'm like, this is just for press. This is PR. This is keeping them in their names because they both have projects that they want. And did we ever think their relationship was actually true love? Or did we actually think it was very much like my agent said, your agent said, this could be a thing. Exactly that. 100% that. When they first started dating, I was the sole person in my group chat that was like, oh, y'all actually believe this? And they're like, Sequoia, what are you talking about? Like, it's there, there, obviously. And I'm like, no, no, what? Do you, what are y'all talking about? This is not a real relationship. Like, stop. <laughs> okay. But the only thing that has now made me be like, maybe it is real is Michael B. Jordan's face after this breakup. Like, I'm like, why does he look so sad? Like, my man well, really looks sad. Well, he's a good right. actor. Right, I'm like, is it because is it of the actor? And I'm like, maybe. I'm like, he looks really sad. I was shocked. Right. These are actors. These are actors. Right. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to knock his, you know, ability to act. He's great. So that's how you never know what the celebrities. It's like, oh, I'm crying. It's like, well, you also cried in episode three, season two of the show you're in. Wow. So, wow. you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you know what is authentic when it comes to these people? You're do I think... Literally. They had a thing and they were having fun and dipping it and doing it. Hell yeah. Why not? He is hot. She's hot. You know what? Do you, boo-boo. Live and let live. However, I really also do think it is very strategic. Like, we're talking about them. I had I had never even really been that into Lori Harvey, but then I was all over her Instagram and seeing what right? she was doing. And she had to do skincare line and all this stuff. So I definitely think it was a way for both of them to get in the news, have something about this to say, and they'll get back together. Maybe they won't. Now we're all talking. Now we care. Steve Harvey's weighing weighing it. Right. Now let me tell you something, Candy. If Lori Harvey comes out with a workout line or like starts pushing workout classes or something. No, athleisure, babe. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be the athleisure 100%. line. One hundred percent. If she comes out with an athleisure line, I'm gonna be like, wow, like that's the one hundred percent. No, literally, that's going to be the cherry on top. We're just like, yeah, this was very, this was very fake. Because she's like, oh, I went to Pilates to lose the relationship weight for when yeah. I was with Mike. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. so now that you're broken up, you're gonna push the skincare line. You're gonna push the Pilates sets that you're like coming out with, like all this. hundred <laughs> percent. This is my athleisure line. This is what I wear when my Pilates. Just go download my right. uh, online course. It's really great. Don't forget to get the app. Yay! Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Y'all, if y'all could have just seen the wink, hold on. Candy, are you the publicist? It's you. Candy's the publicist, okay? (laughs) Because, right. Am I on payroll now? (laughs) Because the way that you just delivered that was so real. (laughs) All right? Come on now. It's not my first time at the rodeo. Wow. I think we cracked it. No, I think that's it. That's a really good one. 
100%. Uh, we see you guys. We see what you're doing. Um, y'all are kind of good at it, but we see it. And I'm not mad at it. I'm kind of taking notes. I'm like, when I grow up, I want to be Lori Harvey. Like, her body is amazing. Michael B. Jordan is hot. And she's doing the thing. I want an athleisure line. Like, come on. I can't wait, actually. And she's younger than me. And when I grow up, I absolutely want to be her. That's that's absolutely what it is. Yeah, that's that on that. Wow. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Okay. Fantastic. No tea, no shade. Like, game respects game. No tea, no shade. But we see you. But we see but you. But we see you. But we see you, girl. Okay. And it is what it is. Okay. So I wonder what Lori Harvey listens to when she's like, when she's going through this alleged breakup. You think she has like a breakup playlist that she's listening to? Yeah. She has um, two songs on repeat. The first is Sierra's Level Up. <laughs> <laughs> level up, level up, level up, level up, level up. <laughs> like you know, she has that on repeat. That's her mantra. She does. That is her. That is her mantra. That is her affirmations. Every day I level up. Every day I level up. Wow. <laughs> I am always leveling up. Like she, wow. Right. And then her other one is Nicki Minaj. Win again. Win again. Hey. 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 Isn't it that both? That should be Ash. That's that's just our. You know what? Yeah, that's our manifest playlist. Yeah, those are also my personal playlist. So, yeah. Right. Because <laughs> I told you, I am I am calling in my Lori Harvey state of being, okay? A hundred percent. I'm trying to draw it <laughs> yes. toward me in this way. Okay, I'm going to transition. I'm going to transition into the song of the week because this is a good transition here. So if I were Lori Harvey, I would be like, okay. We're going to pretend like I'm a little brokenhearted. I'm going to uh, put in my my Instagram stories. I'm going to share Set Fire to the Rain by Adele. That's my song of the week, y'all, <laughs> because it's fantastic. Oh, my God. I don't know what this song has really been sitting on my spirit. You would swear Garrick did something to me, which is my boyfriend, Candy. You would swear he oh, did okay. something. He didn't. He didn't. But this song has just been I've been screaming it to the top of my lungs lately. It is doing something for me. I love it. Do you know that one? No, I know this song. It's a good song. Yeah, yeah. I like it. So good, so good. What song of the week you got, Candy? Okay, well, first I want to say something to what you said. I remember listening to Kelly Clarkson when I was younger, and me and my friend were like, what happened to Kelly Clarkson? Like, who did you wrong, Kelly? Because her songs are so gut-wrenching. She's like, uh-uh, uh, like, behind these hazel eyes. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> Kelly, what happened, girl? Please, like, you can tell Kelly, us. Can you get like we understand? You know your music is your you know your outlet, but like what happened, Kelly? Like what real? Like just we need really to jump good. somebody, right? right. Like, what's like, going on? We, like who we need to check, Kelly? Who we need to check? Like let us find out. That was just my Kelly Clarkson thing because when you said that, I was like, Kelly, who hurts you? Like who hurt you, right. Kelly? Truly, because because we gang gang, we coming. Because uh, <laughs> we are gay gang, for real. We're, we're gay gang. Like, you fuck with Absolutely. Kelly, you fuck with me. Like, right. we're gay gang, Kelly. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got you, girl. Um, But my song of the week is Doubt by Mary J. Blige. However, the version that I'm referring to is the cover by Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. 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 We have a lot to unpack here. Okay. We have... <laughs> We have Doubt by Miss Mary J. Blige. Taylor Swift covered a Mary J. Blige song? Not only did she cover the song, but Mary J. flew in to do a duet with her while she was on tour. 
You're lying. So it, it's amazing. It's amazing. So Tay Tay's on stage and she's talking about how she's doubted herself, how she's had, you know, insecurities and all this stuff. She's done with that. She's through with doubting herself. And she heard this song from Mary J and she's kind of starts seeing it. But then she goes, but you know, I can't sing a Mary J song without Mary J. And then Mary J comes in and it's like, ah! and they do this duet of a song called doubt. And this song is everything. Hmm. This is wild because I feel like, I feel like I'm in the multiverse. Like there's just different, <laughs> like this, I can't believe this happened in this universe. Mary J. Blige. And Taylor, Taylor Swift brought out Mary J. Blige at a concert yes. to sing on a Mary J. Blige song. There's so many things. I I wouldn't believe that Taylor would know a Mary J. Blige song. I wouldn't believe that Mary would agree to come out to sing with Taylor on a tour. Really? All of it. Yes. I just, I'm like, Mary J. Blige, she's like, like, See, like an older this auntie. This is where our consciousness <laughs> splits because it made complete sense to me. I was just it like, tracked for you. This is, at, yes. I was like, this completely tracks like a thousand percent. A, I love Tay Tay, like love, I'm Swifty, yeah. And to me, she kind of does have that like coolness where she would be into like a Mary J because she's very much with that like, she's so down to earth and so cool. And she's just like, Taylor's an insecure girl, just like you, you know? It's like, <laughs> of course, she's isn't like the queen of Mary J. And then to me, Mary J. Blige, she is just so iconic that she's she's that bitch. Whereas oh, like yeah. if someone else is coming along and doing that, she's a person who really supports other women. So I don't ever see Mary J Mary J. Blige ever being like, oh, like you're this person or that person. I see her like when you look at Mary J, like she's a real one. She's a real one. And she's like, you feel me, you feel me, let's do this. She's a real one. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, 100%. Okay, admittedly, I am not the biggest Taylor Swift fan. So I think this is where my, um, I'm like, damn, I didn't know that Mary, okay, I didn't know Mary fuck with Taylor. I didn't know that any of this is going on. I didn't know Taylor would know a Mary song. I don't know. I try, I don't, I'm not in the Taylor, in the Taylor realm. So I don't know what's going on with her. Wow. Okay. So that, I'm going to have to listen to the song. I don't know that I've heard it. I'm going to have to listen to the song for sure and listen to both versions just to to see what the girls are giving. It's so like, it's so encouraging. Like when you're done listening to the song, you're like, yes, you feel I something. Can do whatever I want. Okay. I'm not going to doubt myself. I okay. got this. Haters be damned. I love that. We love a good self-care motivational moment. It's giving self-care. Yeah. It's applicable wow. on so many levels. Wow. Is Taylor Swift a self-care queen? Is she, should she be our third guest on this podcast episode? I mean, if you brought in Tay-Tay, that would be everything. <laughs> right. If I just popped her out right now, like she did make her blush, if I wanted exactly. to surprise like, you, it was like, you oh, here comes Taylor. Taylor Swift without talking right. to Taylor without, Swift. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that listens to this podcast would be shook. They have heard me be like, no, to Taylor Swift so many times. They'd be like, what the fuck? Are you okay? Oh my God. <laughs> what is happening? Oh my gosh. Okay. Self-care. Let's talk about self-care a little bit. What does self-care mean to you? Yes. Okay. So self-care to me is the tools and practices, rituals, belief systems that we use in order to cultivate a compassionate, graceful, forgiving, and loving relationship to yourself. Wow. That was such a well thought out and like 
well articulated. I have like a little definition that I wrote as well, but it is nowhere near. I'm going to run with that because... Cause that that one, that's the one. That's absolutely it. And I like that you uh, that you said it's like a mechanism for how we get to the self love and like feeling good about yourself. Um, because I think it shows that it's a process and it's not like one thing that you do or something that you buy. And it's like, oh, I'm I brought this face mask, so I'm indulging in self care right now. Like, no. Not necessarily. I mean, that can make you feel good for sure, but it's more of like a delayed gratification thing, I would say. Like, it's like we're doing the work now in order to improve things for later. I would say it's more about intentionality. Like, I think um, I think sometimes people conflate self-love with self-care, and they're two different mm, things, right? Okay, so yeah. So self-love is actually the relationship you have with yourself. Is it rooted in self-compassion? Or do you give yourself grace? Are you self-forgiving? Are you self-loving? Even on the days where you don't like yourself, do you still hold space for yourself in order to love yourself? So yeah. self-love is really about what is the relationship that you actually have to yourself? Do you speak to yourself in a loving way? Do you hold okay. yourself, uh, your own well-being as your first and best priority? Like all of those things. So self-love yeah. really is what is the relationship that you have to yourself? And that should okay. be your primary and priority relationship. And then self-care, it's just, you know, like I said, it's the tools, it's the rituals, it's the practices, it's the self-soothing. It's the techniques that we use to cultivate that relationship. So it's, I love myself, therefore I take care of myself. So the buying of the face mask or going to the spa days, it's not so much about, the money or what you're doing. It's, I need a break. <laughs> and what in this moment will make me feel good? Maybe it's putting on a face wow. mask. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's writing yeah. in my journal. Maybe it's seeking support. It's just about self-soothing. What in this moment will make me feel good? How can I prioritize how I feel and my well-being? Sometimes self-care looks like creating boundaries with people. Right. That's a form right. of self-care. Being yep. able to say no, let your no be a yep. no and let your yes be a yes. So self-care to me is really the belief systems and the techniques and the tools that we use to communicate and show, first of all, ourselves, that we love ourselves and we care about ourselves and we, we're worthy and deserving and that we matter. And then B, that's also how we communicate that to other people. is how do you conceptualize yourself in relationship to something else? Because some people may think, oh, it's always easy for me to find love. You know, of course I'm worthy and deserving of love, but they think it's really hard for me to make money. This, this is shaking me. <laughs> yeah, so your self-concept is how do you conceptualize who you are and who you be in relationship to what you can be, do, or have into those other things. That's why people have different buckets of their lives that they can be thriving in but not thriving in other ones because the way that they conceptualize themselves in regard to it can, can differ. But again, self-love, that feeling of worthiness and intrinsic value and deservingness is really at the core of all of it. But that's why you can have someone who totally excels in one area, but seems to have to a big struggle in the other one. And that goes down to what your core beliefs are. Right. Wow. Okay. So question based on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If your self-love improves, 
does your self-concept automatically improve or is that something that you have to work on separately? I think when your self-love improves, your self-concept automatically improves as well. But I do think if you see that you still struggle in certain areas, that just means that's something that you need to pay attention to. That's something that you need to actively focus on. Like if you find yourself in bad relationships, but you feel worthy and deserving in other areas, you're working on your self-love, you're working on your relationship with yourself. That just means what are the limiting beliefs that I have around myself and the ability to receive love or the ability to be worthy of love, insert whatever it is, health, money, career, whatever. It just means that's an area that you might need to focus on more. But I think overall, when you focus on self-love, everything comes up. You know, it's like a tide rises all boats. Everything comes up. That's the true core of it. But you might just have more blocks in certain areas than you do of other ones, but overall it helps with everything. That's the foundation. And then to me, it's like a house. Self-love is the foundation. And you might just have different rooms that you have to work on. The kitchen could be your love room. Bathroom could be your money room. The living room could be your health room, right? Renovate. You know, you've got your bathroom all renovated and cute, but you might need to, you know, redecorate that living room, you know? Right. Wow. You're so cool, dude. This is wild. Oh my God. This is wild. Yeah. No, this is very (laughs) cool. Very cool. Uh, Thank you for that. I feel like uh, this is helping me personally so much. I hope this helps y'all. I hope y'all are listening like, oh, this is how I'm feeling because I'm feeling it right now. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm with you guys. This is my own personal journey. So I'm, I'm with you. And you've written a book about it. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? And then also, um, what are just like some general, your fave self-care books, including your own, like, yeah. Yeah. So my book is The Journey to Self-Love Journal, and it has different components in it. It starts with um, awareness, right? If you aren't aware that there is a problem or a block in your life, there's no way for you to not necessarily fix it, but to consciously create something different. Because I don't never like to say that people need to be fixed or broken because we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. We just need to choose differently for ourselves. That's really all it is. And so there's a part about creating the awareness. There's a component of um, self-forgiveness. There's a component on how do you actually put this into practice, right? So like in the book and also in my podcast, my YouTube channel, one thing I always love to talk about is, you know, it's a practical guide. It's not frou-frou. It's not too out there and wild. It's how do I actually take this concept of loving myself, this concept of taking care of myself, and actually apply that in my life in a meaningful way. So I map that out in the book and also on my podcast and on um, my YouTube channel as well. And some books and I listened to the audible of um, Love Yourself Like Your Life Dependent on It. I forget who wrote it, but it is a phenomenal book. I, I listened to the audio version, guys. I think his name is Kamal something, but you guys can Google it. It'll, it'll pop up. But Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It is phenomenal. That is a complete game changer. Um, I don't want to get too out there, but Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill is a complete game changer when it comes to your mindset. Complete game changer. Um, And your thoughts. I also love Neville Goddard. He is a... uh, I guess maybe stoicism philosopher. I've heard that name. Yeah. I love Neville Goddard. He's really uh, on point with particularly when it comes to, and I'm not particularly religious, but I am Christian. And he really 
brings in different scripture and Bible, and he breaks it down in the sense where he makes it that the Bible is actually an instruction manual on how to create your life. It's not necessarily like a actual, this is what happened in the real world. I get Again, it, right. <laughs> not talking about any bit of religion, not taking it there, guys. I'm just breaking it down. And, but he talks a lot about um, tapping into the, your own divinity that lives within you. And that to me was a big game changer when it came to self-love and knowing my worth and going from having low self-esteem, being codependent, thinking that my value came from what I gave to people or what I could do for people, being a yes person, being a people pleaser, right? So when I realized that's how I was, because again, it all starts with awareness. I had no idea. Like, what do you mean? there's a problem with not being able to tell people no. What do you mean that it's unhealthy to not have boundaries with people? Wait, what do you mean that I'm allowed to seek support? Like, what do you mean, right? And so I used to think that I had to do everything on my own. I had to, I couldn't ask for help. I had to figure it out on my own. I was, but I was the person that everybody always came to. I always had to be strong. I couldn't show any type of emotion because you know, if I show an emotion, then you're being too sensitive or whatever the case is. And so when I realized that that no longer served the version of the woman that I was becoming, that is when I really started my journey to figuring out how am I going to learn how to love myself? How am I going to figure this out? Because everything I'm doing right now is indicative of the fact that I do not love myself. Because if I loved myself, I would be able to say no, and that would be enough. If I loved myself, I would be able to to create boundaries with people in order to protect my space, my time, my energy, my presence, right? If I loved myself, I wouldn't settle for things that I knew I did not deserve. So when I got clear on the fact that the person I needed to convince that I was worthy of love was me, then that is when everything changed. Because the person and the only person you ever need to convince of anything in this world is yourself. You convince you that you're worthy. You can convince you that you're good enough. You can convince you that you are lovable. You convince you that you are priority. You convince you of who you are and how you be. And then everybody else has to fall in line to that. Because everybody is just mirroring how you tell them how they are allowed to treat you. This is incredible. Okay, this is incredible. Wow. The the way that I'm, I feel read, I feel seen. I feel like there's just, I feel very read and very seen. I feel attacked right now. I feel attacked. Right, I'm like, I feel attacked. Why, why would you talk about me like this? Why would you say this? Candy, right, you? Right. Why, why are you hurting me? Candy, why me? Why did I do it? I thought we was right here. Right. Daggers, daggers. Shots fired. Very much daggers. Right. And, and like what you're talking about, all of it resonates so deeply. And recently I've been reading this book, or I just finished this book called What Happened to You by, what is the name of this person? Bruce D. Perry and Oprah Winfrey. Well, it's like a conversation between the two of them. I have two books that I think everyone, everyone in general should read, but I feel like most people who don't 
are not paying attention to self-care as much, are less likely to read these types of books. But that's one of them, What Happened to You by Bruce D. Perry and Oprah, and then Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. They're fantastic. And What Happened to You is pretty much Dr. Bruce D. Perry explaining the neuroscience of trauma and how it um, like changes your central nervous system and your brain chemistry and how everything has to go through your limbic system, which is like the the bottom most portion of your brain, your most survival instinct, gut instinct version of your brain before it gets up into your conscious awareness where you can like cognitively make choices. And so you have to chemically unlearn a lot of the shit that you have learned over the course of your life via trauma in order to be able to get into a space where you can like have thoughts even about unlearning it. Like you have to learn different associations. Your neural pathways have to learn different associations and all of that stuff. So I feel like I'm in the process of doing that right now. And then once I get past that, I'll be able to move more into the, okay, now the conscious choices that you are making, the conscious one, because there's a lot of just subconscious choices that are happening without even my consent or knowledge, you know? The subconscious mind literally rules your life. Like that is actually... Like what you're saying is actually the essence of what the work is. It's mind, it's mindfulness. That's really what the work is. It's mindfulness. It's how do I, it's mindfulness and self-awareness. And to me, when I think of self-awareness, I think bear witness to yourself. Objectively be a witness to who you are and how you be. Bear witness to yourself. And then if you see yourself reacting, you know, from the, the conditioning of, trauma or just your subconscious mind. To me, I think one of the biggest things to do in order to be mindful is curiosity. Curiosity and self-soothing, right? So if like say you get triggered by something, bear witness to yourself. I'm being triggered now. I'm, I feel my pain body coming up. I'm getting hot. I'm getting whatever. Da, da, da. Let me be curious, why do I feel this way? What are the thoughts that I'm thinking? What does this remind me of? Get curious about why you react the way you react. And then when you have some perspective on that, then you can, exactly like you said, consciously choose differently. And that empowers you to respond rather to react. That makes you mindful of your life. And that also empowers you with the power to decide, to consciously choose. Because when you are in fight or flight, when you are in react mode, you are not responding. Your subconscious training is, is, is reacting. It's trying to keep you safe, but what used to keep you safe now sabotages. Oh, you don't even need to read the damn book. You just, you already know what's in the book. You, you already know what's in the book, right? You already, you already know what's going on. You already know what's going on. Usually there's things that happen in our childhood, whether the people meant it or not. It's just how our precious little brains we, our mind likes to conceptualize. So it tells us stories. It has to have a meaning. This happened, it must mean this, right? Because your mind and your brain wants to keep you safe. And the way that we as humans stay safe is through storytelling and, and giving things meaning. And the way you unlearn that and unprogram yourself is to ask yourself, well, why am I reacting like that? Why am I feeling this way? What thoughts am I thinking? And if I'm thinking thoughts of, I'm not good enough. Nothing ever works out. Of course, they're going to leave. I need to look like this. I need to have that. I always fail. People like me don't get that. Blah, 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 blah. Like all of those self-limiting beliefs. Basically at the core, what all of those self-limiting beliefs mean 
is that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not chosen. I'm not lovable. And then get curious and ask yourself, does that actually mean that? And does it have to? Does it have to actually mean that? The way that you were saying like the exact words from the book is actually freaking me out because you have not <laughs> read, read it. it. I'm like, I, you're, you're literally like pulling excerpts from the book and I'm like, this is scary. This is scary to me. <laughs> yeah. That's why you want to come to yourself and the work has to be compassionate. We're not criticizing ourselves. We're not judging ourselves. We're not blaming ourselves. It's not our fault. We're just compassionately choosing to be conscious and to bear witness to ourselves in order to create something different. And it's holding that compassionate space. And trust me, that is something I have to work on too. Like I said, because I'm a recovering perfectionist, recovering everything. And it's just like, um, yeah, it's just holding space for yourself and compassion. Like if I really believed that I was my own best friend, how would I show up for me in this moment? You would not speak to your best friend the way you speak to yourself. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And I was saying, like, I was talking to someone about how I had this moment of, with my, I'm I'm the youngest of five girls. So I had this moment with one of my sisters. We're all super close, but we all, and so, you know, we're we're sisters, right? (laughs) And so my sister said something to me and it, I literally, I'm not going to say exactly what she said, but she said something to me. And I was like, no, this chick did not say this. Like, I, like, when she was talking to me, I, I literally, in my mind, was like, she's not saying this to me right now. Like, no, she's not. No, she's not. And so, because I'm so evolved now, I was just like, oh, okay. And I went upstairs and just cried instead of, but that was my response. Oh. I was like, I'm going to allow myself to be really hurt by what she just said. I'm going to allow myself to feel my feelings and I'm going to cry, but I'm not going to react. I'm not going to say, oh, well, you said this about me. Well, girl, I could say this, this, and this about you. Like, those without sin, those the first stone. Like, what's going on in your life? You want to come at me? Here you go, right? But no. And so I worked through all of that, and I thought, you know, why is this triggering me so much? And I think it was two things. One, she was reflecting to me one of my own insecurities that I've had that I thought I had gotten over. but. And, I'll, and I'm going to get to that when I talk about um, myths about the healing process, right? Mm. So um, she says something to me that triggered a very deep insecurity in myself. And so I thought I had already gotten over that. I was like, what do you mean? I've done all the work. I love myself. Good, we're good, we're good. Why am I being so triggered by this, right? So that was one thing where I wasn't holding myself in compassion. I was thinking to myself, done all this work. Why are you reacting? Why is it so upsetting? You're thinking about this a week later. Like I was being, I was not holding compassionate space with myself. So I had to self-soothe, which is everything I'm telling everybody. I had to think, well, what is actually going to make me feel better? What is going to get my well-being back to inner peace? Because right now I'm in chaos, right? And so what I did was I just journaled out well, what is it that I needed my sister to actually tell me? What I needed my sister to tell me was, I am so proud of you. You're doing great. Keep going. And so when I realized that, I said that to myself. I said, Candy, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You are doing great. Keep going. And then I actually told my sister that. Because the insight I got was, if I'm being triggered by this, And she's probably projecting this. So a lot of times people will project 
their own insecurities onto you mm-hmm. because it is so much easier to see your pain in someone else than it is sure. to look at your pain within you. Wow. So what I said to her was, I love you. You're doing great to keep going. Because I knew that if that is what I needed her to tell me, you better believe that is what she also needed to hear. I can't wait to evolve to this level. That is some <laughs> evolution for that ass. Okay. Right? <laughs> That's you, what that is. It's clear projection. You know, and, and the thing is, and her intention was not to hurt me. Like, I'll, let me, let me, let me, if that's unclear to any listener out here, me and my sister love each other. We ride or die gang gang. Her intention, her intention by no means was not to hurt me, but was what she said hurtful. Absolutely. And those are two, yes. and we can hold space for both of those. Someone's yeah. intention may not actually be the way in which you experience that. Right. I experienced, I experienced what she said in a very hurtful way, but she did not, her intention of course was not to hurt me, but she was also right. speaking from her own limiting belief. So if that's what you think of me, then clearly that is what you think of yourself. And that's why I said to her, I love you. You're doing great. Keep going. And I had to not internalize <laughs> what she said. Instead, I had to look at why am I still being triggered by this? And then what I realized when I talk about, like, um, I did a video on um, debunking the myths about the healing process. And one of the big things is that, you know, oh, once you're healed, for you guys who you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, healed, you will no longer be triggered. You will just ascend to this mystical, magical place of rainbows and unicorns and fairies and nothing will ever bother you again. And that's just bullshit. That's bullshit. The truth about the healing process is that you may be re-triggered by that same old stuff that you thought you healed. And that happens for a couple of reasons. One, it happens because maybe it's just life, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, giving you the opportunity to meet that same wound with a different level of consciousness, with a different level of compassion. So you can meet that same wound and heal it on a different level, right? Because anytime you want to ascend to another dimension or an up level, you have to pass a test. You want to drive a car? You got to pass a test. You want to go to school? You got to pass a test. You want to be in a relationship? What do we do to the guy? We test him, right? Mm. So- yeah. You want to ascend <laughs> to any new level, you have to pass a certain test. So sometimes you are being, you know, a circumstance where your old wounding comes up or you're, you're being triggered by something or an old pattern emergence. It's not because you aren't healed. It's not because you aren't doing the work. It's not because you're not in a different place. It's because you are. And this is a moment to meet it differently, to actually apply the healing that you've done. So to me, that was what that meant. And then the other myth around it, or the other reason why it happens is because you know what? Sometimes shit just goes down. It's just, it's not that deep. It's not that serious. Sometimes people just say fucked up shit. Sometimes things just don't go your way. Sometimes people are like, you know, life happens. Rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Life happens. Life happens. So sometimes things that go wrong or someone your or your feelings get hurt. I don't minimize that because trust me, my feelings were, I was a deep in my feelings and I had every right to be because they're mine. And so and that's another thing about healing, acknowledging your feelings, validating yourself. I don't need anybody to co-sign how I feel because it's how 
because it's how I feel, right? And so sometimes life just happens. And I truly believe that we are divine beings having a human experience. We're not human beings having a divine experience. So what that means is we can tap into the divinity that lives within us. Since we're having a human experience, by the sheer fact that we are human, it means it's imperfect, means it's messy, means you're not going to get it right, means things are going to go wrong. So allow yourself to be that. And your divinity is what gives you the grace to move through it. Grace isn't that nothing happens. Grace is that shit may happen, but it's not going to break you or stop you. Grace is to move through the storm. Not that there won't be a storm. Right. Ooh. Oh my gosh. That is such a good point because I feel like a lot of um, something that I struggle with, with the manifestation space, someone who identifies as a spiritual girly, who practices manifestation things and that type of stuff. Something I struggle with is like when something bad happens to me, I'm like, okay, did I manifest this? You know, is this something that I did with my own vibrations and that type of stuff? And what I've gotten to recently is just like, no, not always. Like sometimes shit happens because that's life. And and you really do build resilience with shit happening. You know, when shit happens, like you said, you grow, you met with that same challenge again, and you don't have quite the same experience because you've grown. The pattern might be similar that you to a pattern that you've experienced before, but your response, you don't have to react. Like you said, you can choose to respond the next time that you are met with said circumstance. This is fantastic. And and talking about the manifestation space, I I used to be into the law of attraction. I'm not so much into that anymore. I'm mm-hmm. way more a law of assumption girl, like the Neville Gardroads and the Florence Shovel Sheens of the world. I am all about. So to me, law of attraction, it's like you need to be vibrationally aligned and you need to be high vibe and then everything will come. And, and I'm like, I'm more powerful than that. Okay. I'm more powerful than that. So to me, the law of assumption is you manifest or you get what you hold to be true for yourself, what your belief system is. And Oprah says this, she goes, you don't get what you want. You get what you believe. And that is the law of assumption. It's all based on your Oprah belief system, right? You get what you believe. She said and that, that in is, that book. Yeah. And that is the law of assumption, right? In the law of assumption is basically just your belief system. If you believe things are always working out in my favor, when shit goes wrong, you know what? Shit's going wrong right now, but I know at the end of the day, it's going to work out in my favor. Because if you really look Mm. back on your life, those big moments, you can say, wow, I'm actually really happy it didn't go my way. Wow, I'm happy that didn't work out. You know, you you can only connect the dots in hindsight. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like being spiritual and evolved and all this stuff. It doesn't make you immune to things happening in life. And like I said, it gives you the grace to meet it differently, to put a different understanding on it, because things only mean what meaning you ascribe to them. That's why someone can experience the same exact thing as somebody else. And you have a completely different perspective on it. And what I said by I'm stronger than that or or I'm more powerful than that is my belief system, who I am, the God that lives in me, my divinity is more powerful than my feeling or my vibe or my mood. I have my feelings. I have a vibe. I have a mood. And the reason why I know I have them is because I can change them. Same thing with thoughts. I am not my thoughts. I have thoughts. 
because I, my higher self, can change them. If I'm not feeling good, I can go out there and do something in order to make myself feel good. Self-soothe myself because I have the power to do so. If you have the power to change something, that makes you more powerful than it. So what I do is I get my beliefs right. One of my assumptions is I always manifest what is in alignment for my highest good, regardless how I feel. I don't care how, like, regardless of how I feel, I always manifest and call in what is in alignment with my highest good. I only manifest my positive thoughts that's in alignment with my highest good. I only manifest my positive thoughts, right? Because again, we are divine beings having a human experience. So as long as you're a human being, you will experience not so good thoughts, not so good days. PMS is real. PMS comes, nobody talks to me, okay? No, nobody talks to me. So am I giving my power to my hormones? to not feeling good, to just just being in a shitty mood. Am I giving my power to that? No. Right. I am more powerful than that. My higher self, the divine that lives in me is more powerful than my human emotions and feelings and vibes and moods. And thank God it is. Y'all, y'all are listening to my life change. <laughs> I affirm in my life that I only call in the highest good for me, regardless of how I feel, regardless of my vibe. Who wants, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it hundred percent funky with you. I actually don't want to be high vibe all the time. It's delusional and it's not what I'm actually meant to be in this world to be. I'm not meant to be a divine being on the planet. I'm, I'm meant to be a divine being having a human experience on this planet. And being a human Ooh. being sometimes means I'm angry. Sometimes it means I'm pissed off. Sometimes it means I just don't feel good. Sometimes I'm not in the mood for it. Sometimes I wish you would try me, right? That's all of <laughs> sometimes I wish <laughs> you would. Okay? Like, I really sometimes. wish you would because you might find yeah. out. So right. like, you might find out. Don't mess, like, don't, don't mess around and find out, you know. Don't let this little voice fool you, okay? I want to be able to feel everything that is available to me to feel as a human being. But I also have the awareness and the consciousness to know that I have these things. They do not have me. That's why I can be angry in this moment but not become an angry person. I can be depressed about something, but not be in depression. I can have worry about something, but not live in a state of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Because I know that I have these things, they don't have me. But when you believe falsely that these things have you, that's when you become an angry person. You know, some people are just angry dispositions. Yes. And they think sets them off. They're looking for a fight. They're mad all the time. Or people who, um, and I and I truly uh, respect all mental health. So I, I want to be very, very sensitive to all this. But also people who are in deep depressions, where they just feel lost in their depression, or people who have anxiety, crippling anxiety, and, and other things going on. It's because you believe that feeling or that emotion or that thought process. You identify with it, and you believe hmm. that it has you, rather than knowing that it is separate. Jesus, this. This conversation, y'all are listening to my life shift over into a different, 
a different place right now because this is wild. This is just much a much more realistic approach. I feel it's your practical to... guide, baby. No, it <laughs> is. Your pra- is mad practical, like for real. I'm like, this is so realistic. Like you said, we are humans, or we are divine beings having a human experience. We are not here to have a divine, you know, the the whole divinity experience. Therefore, some days I am going to be angry. Yeah, and I don't want to feel guilty for being angry because I am a human. You know, and that's the whole thing. That's where I get lost sometimes. I'm like, this guilt also feels bad on top of now I'm having a bad day. Now I'm guilty about having a bad day because I'm, I feel like I'm bringing further badness my way because I'm having a bad day. A hundred percent. And you know what actually brings the badness is the law of assumption. It's the belief that it is. It's like, oh, I'm not high vibe. Then I'm going to attract something bad. That's your belief. You, if you believe that, I can only manifest good when I am high vibe, then that is will show up for you because manifestation Mm. is only a self-fulfilling prophecy. Manifestation is just what is within being pushed without. That's all manifestation is. It's something that you want internally showing up in your reality. Oh, I'm going to manifest this job. I'm going to manifest this car. I mean, it's what's inside of you being pushed out in your actual reality. That's all manifestation is. It's just what's within showing up without. So if you believe within you, I have to be high vibe in order to attract what's good for me, then that's what's going to show up in your life. To me, law of attraction is a lifestyle choice. It's not a manifestation tool. It's, I don't feel good right now. Let me find something to appreciate. Let me get my vibe up. It's being, it's a mindfulness tool to me. Because I do believe, I don't think you have, I don't think you should wallow in it. That's when you identify with it. But I also don't think that my vibe or my mood or simply being a human being is more powerful than my highest self, than the divinity that lives with me. So I don't give that power away. If I want to have a pissy day, I'm having a pissy day and I'm still attracting all the abundance, love, wealth, happiness, and everything I want into my life. While I'm being a human being, I'm tapping into my divinity. That's what it's there for. And that really is the truth of it. And I'm wondering, do you think, okay, so the show is obviously Black People Love Paramore. And so we talk about like stuff that Black people like. And I really do feel like Black people over-index when it comes to self-care, specifically like, you know, the self, just the self-care space in general. I feel that Black people are, especially right now, starting to come into a place where it's like more top of mind for many of us. Why do you think, do you think that there is a reason for that? I have a theory, but I'm interested to hear your theory if you have one. Um... I mean, it's been a tough last couple of years. So I think there is that. I, I, but I also think there's just been in general a collective consciousness shift where it's becoming much more mainstream in general. And I think that, I think like most things, Black people have actually always been at the forefront, whether or not they actually get the credit. Like these people out here trying to like sage and blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm not a person like, I'm not a sage or crystal person, but I'm just saying like in general, people are like, they're saging and crystals and all this stuff. Well, that's rooted in a lot of black religions and cultures and rituals yeah. and all that stuff. And of course it gets commercialized and whitewashed and hoop dyes and all that things. So I think maybe it's just the natural progression of it coming to the forefront, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? That 100% aligns with my thoughts on it too. I was thinking like, I had 
like kind of two segments here. I think the world is a little bit harsher on Black people as we've seen systemic racism and thing and all of that. The last couple of years have been hard, like you said. And therefore, I feel like Black people and Black women in particular are starting to realize that we're just not work mules and working, like being, showing up for everybody all of the time without ever stopping to make sure that we're good, that we're tending to ourselves is not a sustainable way to move about the world. And so I think that general consciousness shifting is twofold for Black women in particular, because we need it. Like we have been socialized to kind of make sure everybody else is okay and make sure that everybody else's needs are taken care of and that we're showing up for everybody else as we need to. And now we're starting to have the language to express that phenomenon a little bit better, which also allows for the deconstruction of that phenomenon a little bit better. And I think that can be seen in the rise of movements like the Black Girl Luxury Movement, the Soft Black Girl Movement, the Femininity Movement. And all of these movements are problematic in their own right, but I think they should, they, they signal a shift of consciousness toward wanting to turn inward and make sure that we are good before we look elsewhere and make sure everybody else is good. So that's my thoughts as to why Black people love it. Yeah. Yeah. And and what came up when you were talking was, particularly with Black women, I think it's a time that we are reclaiming our humanity. I think for a long time, we have not been allowed to simply be. We either have to be superwoman superhuman where we do it all like we never need anything put everybody wants first we do it all we handle it or reviewed as subhuman as just in service of you know the sex object or the maid (sighs) or the whatever you know what i mean superhuman or subhuman the dichotomy of black women exactly we have only (gasps) ever been superhuman or subhuman Either, either you can't break, you can't crack, you're strong black woman, you're above it all, you don't feel pain right. the way other white people feel pain and blah, 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 right. blah, and all sort of bullshit. And you have to take care of all the kids and do all the jobs and da, 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 Or you were looked at as less than human. Oh, right? this, is, this is the craziest shit. Like <laughs> Our sexuality is only in service of being exotic for other people. How... Could you imagine if we actually took pleasure in our own bodies? Right. Ooh, or or that, wow. that, that subhuman, right? But I think with the movements, and a lot of movements are can be problematic, but I agree that at their core, they're all good, and I want them all to continue, is I think as Black women, we are reclaiming our humanity, that we have our own agency, we have our own wants, we have our own needs, our own desires, our own objectives. And we get to be angry if we want to be angry. We get to be soft if we want to be soft. We get to have sexual pleasure if we want to have sexual pleasure. We get to do whatever we want because guess what? We are human beings. We're not better than, less than. We are equal than. We are equal because we're all human beings. And I think it's really a reclaiming of our humanity that we get to just be. We just get to be. Why every, why does everybody else get to be, but we have to be less or more. Jesus. I am ready to just fucking be. We're exhausted. Yeah. It's time to just be. We're tired. Like, can I chill? Can I just be, can I just, can I, if I want to catch a mood, I want to catch a mood. If I want to, you know, raise my vibe, I want to raise my vibe. If I, wow. Can I just be? And the privilege 
of being able to just be is rest. And I think that that is what we collectively as Black women have been seeking and searching and have been denied for centuries. We do not have the luxury to rest. Mm, Damn right. And I think that should be the core of our movement. Mm -hmm. Give us the privilege Mm -hmm. to be and the luxury to rest. This is a word, y'all. This is a word. This is a whole (laughs) sermon like this. I hope y'all feel this like I feel this because this is very much nourishing my spirit right now. Candy. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to just that you want to share before I wrap this up? Do you have I would say my parting words is if you've never heard it and if you don't believe it, I, I want you to know that you are enough exactly as you are, exactly where you are, exactly how you are. You don't need to be fixed. You're not broken. You're simply enough. Fantastic. Y'all. I don't even know. I don't know what to say right now. I feel like I've been left speechless on this episode. Y'all know good and well. I've never been speechless on my podcast before. I've been left speechless on this episode because I feel like I am being seen and read in a way that I am not used to. It has been very insightful for me. I hope that y'all feel the same way about it. Candy, can you let them know where they can find you on social media? Yes. Head over to Instagram at Candy Washington. Follow me on YouTube. My channel is also Candy Washington. Also on Twitter. Uh, my website is candywashing.com. Pick up my book, Journey to Self-Love. That's on Amazon and Barnes and, to- Barnes and Nobles. And my podcast is Sugar Pills, A Practical Guide to Self-Care. And you can listen to that wherever you listen to your podcast. Fantastic. I am so grateful for this episode. Thank you for coming onto my podcast. It has been a fantastic conversation. Y'all already know where you can find us, BPLP Pod, across all social media platforms. You can email me at blackpeopleloveparamore at gmail.com. If you have guests that you think should be on, if you have topics that you think I should cover, if you have love mail or hate mail, go ahead and leave it there. And also, if you're feeling so inclined to actually leave a review on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do that. It's very helpful. Appreciate it very much. This has been Black People Love Paramore and I will see y'all next week. Thank you. Bye y'all. Bye.